At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves when it comes to pumping Chris Stratton's tires. As soon as you say something good about Chris Stratton, something like that inevitably is to follow. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. We're brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. It's Wimbledon week, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your go to sportsbook for all things tennis related betting. Today through the 4th of July, place a $25 wager on Wimbledon at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook for a free $10 Bet Rivers live bet to use on any Wimbledon match. Simply log on to the Bet Rivers app, and now you can even live stream tennis matches straight from Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. The Pirates, another close but no cigar loss, as you heard the clip right there. They go down to defeat to the Washington Nationals 3-2 last night in D.C. We'll get to that in just a second. I cruised to a pretty easy win last night. As mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I went with the under in Rockies-Dodgers, a game at Coors Field. It was 11.5. I know it's Coors Field, but 11.5 is still a lot. Plus, both Tyler Anderson and Chad Cool are having good seasons, and... It played out exactly that way. Cool, a three-hit shutout. Anderson takes the loss, his first of the year to fall to 8-1. Rockies win by the low, low score of 4-0, and I win my bet at Bet Rivers. 
I told you to take the Cardinals at minus 127 with Wainwright. That worked out. I think the over-under on that one was 8.5. Might have been 9.5 by the time we started the podcast. I don't quite remember, but the final score was 9 nothing. so it depends on where you had it. The under may have missed for you there. I ended up staying away from that and just went with the Cardinals, and that hunch paid off. The White Sox and Guardians let me down too, but my big plays were Wainwright and the Cards plus the cool Anderson game, and they both hit. So another good day on baseball for me. Not so much with the Pirates, though. They follow the Nationals 3-2, to a game they led 2 to nothing. Not a game I bet on. I've got no feel for bad team X versus worst team Y. Unless there's a major pitching disparity, and that's not something I'm seeing in this Nats series. I might dabble in today's game, though. I'll tell you why in a little bit. Some trends for the Pirates' current road trip. It's definitely been defined by two things, competitive games and frustrating results. So maybe think about betting on the opponent on the money line against the Buccos coming in the days forward here. And also think about the under and the Pirates covering on the run line, too. That's a prospect you might want to take. Overall this season, the Pirates are pretty decent in one-run games. 10-9 of late, though, winning the tight ones has been a problem. That's unfortunate for a team that has also had a propensity to get blown out. After all, this is a club that already has had defeats of 21-0, 18-4, 11-1, 14-5, and 9-0 twice on its resume this year. During its current six-game road trip, Manager Derek Shelton's team has started 0-4. The first game in Tampa Bay was a 4-3 loss in 10 innings, followed by defeats of 6-5 and 4-2. Then they lost a 3-2 series opener to the Washington Nationals on Monday night, not to mention losses of 2-0 and 7-5 during their recent homestand against the Giants. In 11 of the last 12 games, the Pirates have either won or been within two runs during a loss. The starting pitching has been adequate. A starter has been tagged with a loss just once in the Pirates' last 10 games. The fielding has been sound, committing just one error in the last eight games. Of issue of late, though, has been the bullpen. David Bednar blew a save on Saturday night in Tampa after Chase DeYoung gave up a homer in the eighth. Anthony Banda and Tyler Beatty combined to yield three of four runs during Sunday's 4-2 loss to the Rays. And Monday night's defeat in Washington featured... Yuri De Los Santos and Chris Stratton combining to let a 2-0 lead slip away after Miguel Yuri went the first four innings without allowing any runs. Stratton has had a particularly difficult month. In June, he's 2-2 two two with a 7-11 ERA, allowing 10 earned runs to score in 12 and two-thirds innings. Wow. So for the season, he's 4-4 four four with a 5-46 ERA and has been worse lately. He's been credited with five blown saves, Seven holds and two saves. It's not just pitching, though. The clutch hitting has really been rare. The Pirates faced a good pitching staff in Tampa, then they couldn't get it going against the Nationals in Monday's series opener either. Throughout the four-game losing streak, the Pirates are just 4-for-21 with runners in scoring position. That's a 190 batting average. During the four losses, they've stranded 24 men on base. The Pirates and Diamondbacks are tied for Major League Baseball's worst batting average with runners in scoring position at 212. Then again, the Pirates don't get a lot of runners into scoring position either. They have just 477 at-bats with runners in scoring position, tied with the Detroit Tigers for the fewest in Major League Baseball. In late and close situations, the Pirates are hitting a collective 196 
Only three teams, the Angels, Cubs, and Orioles, have a worse batting average than that. We all knew wins would be few and far between for the Pirates in 2022. We all knew that they'd have more than a handful of nights when they just wouldn't be in it from the opening pitch, which is why during stretches like this road trip when the Pirates have been competitive enough to win, the defeats managed to sting a little bit more. Somehow that seems to be the case. Somehow that does feel like the wins are pinching a bit more, even if they are happening in yet another season where the bottom line results are being sacrificed at the altar of individual player development. Now, as far as betting on the Pirates today goes, I kind of like them, actually. Patrick Corbin is pitching for Washington. He's 3-10 and with a 660 ERA. Quintana pitches for the Pirates, 1-4 and 360. The Pirates are plus 102. I think they win this one, and Quintana pitches well, and they get a few off of Corbin. Also, a Twins-Guardians doubleheader today. Two teams atop the AL Central. I know Mike Pursuta is all over his formula of going with the loser of Game 1 in Game 2 to get the split. He's going hard with this one today. I'll be in on it with him. It makes as much sense as any to do it today. Also, Brandon Woodruff back with the Brewers today. Shane Baz pitching for the Rays. The Pirates' former first-round draft pick. Baz has been kind of babied by Tampa. They don't like to push him past the fifth, it seems. I like the Brewers here, a plus 100. They are the next opponent for the Pirates at PNC Park. And speaking of teams that play close a lot, think of this when you bet on a team playing against the Brewers when you've got the run line in play, maybe. The Brewers are 15-9 and in one-run games. The Yankees are the only team in Major League Baseball with more one-run wins than Milwaukee. They have 16 Speaking of the Yankees, my gut says play them big, especially since they are only minus 195 to win. But Frankie Montes is pitching for Oakland. 321 ERA. His whip is 18th at 108. Strikeouts 12th with 92. The Yankees counter with J.P. Sears, just his second big league start. He was good in the first one against Baltimore, though. Five shutout innings. Maybe a parlay with the Dodgers to see if they bounce back against the Rockies. Two bounce-back games, two good teams, two lesser teams. I like it. It pays off at plus 122. All right, when we come back, we talk hockey with Brian Metzer. It is the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network game day host. Metz also the host of Penns Live Weekly on Saturdays with Paul Steigerwald during the season. You can check him out, intermissions, post games, and you can check him out once a week here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. We're back in 30 seconds. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, back in the Pittsburgh CityCast with Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. He joins us once a week to talk hockey. Always good to catch up with Metz. We'll do so a couple more times before July is out and we start turning our attention to the Steelers and training camp and take a little break from hockey until it regenerates with training camp of their own in, what, late September, October, something like that. So we'll get Metz on after a brief respite, but plenty to talk about with him off-season-wise during this month, to be sure. we got the draft, we got free agency trades that will be made surrounding the Penguins. We speculate on a lot of that 
in our podcast today. But first, we start off wrapping up the Stanley Cup championship for the Colorado Avalanche over the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 6 in Tampa as the Avs claim the Cup. Here's Mets on the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. The Lightning not going down without a fight. Uh, all the way into the tunnel, Mets, it looked like where Andre Vasilevsky was ready to fight the world, it appears. Yeah, it was funny uh, watching him go through the handshake line, Tim. He seemed okay. And then the minute he went down the runway, he kicked the wall and he looked all angry. <laughs> uh, you know, it was like, okay, well, you must have been holding that in for at least 30 minutes because they had to wait around for the celebration, then the handshake, and then he still got the moment to to kick the to kick the wall. And if it was a Major League Baseball player, you would have assumed he would have broken his foot or something, right? Like Oliver Perez? Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> there wasn't a laundry cart. There wasn't a laundry cart he kicked, though, was it? No, no, just a brick wall. And uh, I think that might give a little less than the laundry cart would have. I, you know what? I, I was surprised that, and I don't know what your take was, but looking at Vasilevsky's reaction in the runway was the first sign of really animus. There were a couple of heads hanging low. I thought Hedman and Stamkos looked pretty pretty beaten down by by the loss. But all things considered, including John Cooper, the Lightning seemed rather okay with losing the Stanley Cup. They almost seemed, I don't know, that was like one of the most jovial-looking groups I've seen in a, in a loss. Well, in a cup I, I just don't think the teams built up hate towards each other. I think more teams hated the Avalanche in the West than the Lightning did coming out of the East. Kadri uh, yeah. didn't get under enough people's skin, I guess, uh, being somewhat compromised with injury when he was playing against the Lightning. I think... I think the Lightning were more mad at the refs than they were the Avs. Yeah, I would agree with you there. They, I was kind of shocked at the amount of bitterness after almost every goal scored. There was some sort of issue almost every time. Maroon. That, yeah, every time the Avalanche would score, you'd see the Lightning get kind of verklempt about it and complain to the referees, Maroon situation, uh, breaking his stick. Uh, on Manson after the second goal uh, in the game uh, that was the clincher. And I don't know, there was, they showed some interesting truer colors, I thought, because they seemed like fairly classy champions, Kucherov last year aside. And this year that you saw things like Corey Perry knocking the water bottle off the top of the net, uh, Kucherov slashing at, at uh, Kemper as he went by him at one point in the game and all these little things that kind of, you know, gamesmanship, if you will, to kind of just kind of, you know, ruffle their feathers. And it never really worked. I think they were realizing that for as great a champions as they were over the last two years, this version of them wasn't near deep enough compared to what they were in the past two Stanley Cup runs. And I think that started to bubble to the surface and their frustration then bubbled to the surface when they saw that they had looked like they were fairly top heavy all of a sudden. They could defend pretty well, but they weren't getting enough goal scoring support and I think that frustration really was evident watching the last couple games of that series. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Are they done, the Lightning, do you think, Mets? Or do they have another run to the final in them? Um, I think that, you know, they're still a really good hockey team. And depending on what they do to rebuild their, their third line again a little bit, I think that's what it's going to take. I know they really cashed out some assets to bring in guys like Hagel and Nick Paul, etc., but those guys will probably still be there and be a part of what they're going to do moving forward. But I think with a little bit of tweaking, they can still be a very good hockey team. And we've seen this so many times, Tim, when you have a guy like Vasilevsky in net and you still have some goal scoring punch and you still can defend pretty well, but that goaltender 
gives them a chance night in and night out. And he's as big a reason as any why they got back to the Stanley Cup final because there were moments in these playoffs where it looked like they were going to be eliminated well before getting back for the three-peat attempt. And Vasilevsky would make one of those brilliant saves and steal a game for them and help them get out of a round. I mean, in a lot of years, without that goaltender, they may not, may not have gotten past the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And once they did that, they just kind of got locked in. So I do think moving forward, they could still be looked at as a team that representing the Eastern Conference would have an opportunity to get there based on what's around them. However, there are a lot of teams that were right on the cusp of maybe dethroning them as being the class of the East. And I think that it's going to be a harder road for them next season. But that said, they, they probably do have as good a chance as anybody to at least get back to a conference final again, I would think. I advanced this theory to Mark. I'd like to see what you think about it. But especially after they got some rest against Florida, they swept the Florida and then were able to recoup a little. But I felt like the Lightning spent a lot of energy, even in wins, like coming back within games, third period yep. comebacks, going to overtime, things of that nature, beyond just the battles that took place against the Hurricanes in the first five games against the Avs, I just felt like they spent a lot of energy even in victory. I, I think that's a, a well-made point, Tim. I mean, they, they worked very hard. This was probably the hardest they've had to work to to you know get this chance at the three-peat. Because first of all, you can, you, you gotta, you know, it, it's never easy to win a Stanley Cup. However, they had some lesser foes to face in the final round over the last two Stanley Cups because say what you want, the Colorado Avalanche were not the Dallas Stars or the Montreal Canadiens. So that alone was tougher. But to your point, there were a number of nights where they had to claw back in games. They either let a lead fizzle or had to claw back in to tie a game and then win it late. And when you're playing hockey like that, it does take a toll on you. All of your, you know, everybody on your roster has to kind of dig a little bit deeper. And you throw in the fact that they had just played so much hockey. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but it's true. I mean, you played a ton of playoff games and almost a little less time than you would have in a conventional three season stretch because of the fact that these seasons were compacted. I know the regular seasons weren't necessarily all full years, but their first two cups essentially came within a calendar year, if you think about it. And it may be a little bit more than that. Then you throw in this one, I think that they really started to wear down. And then when they had to go to battle the way that you just mentioned and clawing back in games and nothing was easy for them. So, yeah, I think it did take a toll. And I think you could see their fatigue late in this series. And had they not won the last game, it was interesting to hear a lot of the people just saying that they looked like they were gassed. They just didn't have much left in the tank. They had a lot of injuries starting to to uh, pop up. Guys were really Sorelli um, uh, was one of them. I think Cernak uh, was one of the guys that wasn't even able to finish a couple games ago. So when you see all the guys that they were losing to injuries, they didn't have near the good luck that they had had in the past. And I think all of that added up to really falling to a really worthy opponent in the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, they they were right on the cusp for many, many years. And boy, I don't know that there were many teams in the league that were going to beat them in this Stanley Cup final. Colorado plus 425 to win the Stanley Cup next year. Toronto and Tampa out of the East, the next two teams. Uh, Toronto at plus 900. So from uh, number one on the board, the Avs at plus 425 to the Leafs. It's almost double to get to them uh, as far as a payout would go. The Lightning 
right behind Toronto at plus 1,000, then the Panthers at 1,100. Uh, what do you think about that match? Should Colorado be this much of a overwhelming favor to win it again? And very narrow odds differential between Toronto, Tampa, and Florida. Do you see, do you see that on top of the East? Yeah, I think that that's, that sounds pretty accurate uh, on, for the Eastern Conference. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what all these teams do heading into free agency because there are going to be a lot of faces changing. Uh, this is one of the deepest free agent classes that we've had in many, many years. And uh, I don't know exactly where all those pieces are going to land. And pardon the sirens behind me here, Tim. They don't like what I'm saying about the uh, the odds here. I don't know if you're picking that up. But uh, when you look at Colorado specifically, they, for just having won a Stanley Cup, they did it the right way when you're looking at a quote-unquote rebuild. So they they managed to win and they're going into this offseason with, what, $25-plus million in cap space, something like that. Now, granted, you have a lot of names that they could lose, such as Nachushkin, who was very valuable, Kadri, who was very valuable. But some of the vets that are sitting there as free agents now, they have uh, RFAs in Obey Kubel, who was a great depth player for them. Lekkonen was a godsend at the trade deadline. I think that they'll probably find a way to keep him because Joe Sackick had coveted him for so long. But the other veterans there, Sturm, uh, Cogliano, Burakovsky, I think you could find ways to sign all of those guys. So you'd have to offset the productivity of Kadri and Nachushkin. But I think that they really are in a good position forward-wise, even with the loss of those guys, when you look at the fact that almost their entire blue line of youngsters is going to be intact, getting better moving into the future here. And uh, I think that they're going to be just as formidable as anybody. So all that said, yeah, I don't think that it's out of the question to give them um, the odds that they have started the offseason with. And then on the other end, I mean, it's going to be the same names you just said. And I, I think of them, Florida would be the most hungry to make another run at what they did this year and to maybe even bolster themselves more for another attempt at getting to the top of the Eastern Conference. And they'll start with probably targeting their cross-state rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and saying, hey, boy, we have to figure a way to get past them. And then the, the world is our oyster. The Hurricanes and Rangers in front of the Penguins in the Metro at plus 1,500 and plus 2,000, respectively. The Pens are 11th on the board at plus 2,500. Uh, to your point, Mets, it's ridiculous in my mind to play any sort of future bet uh, on anybody. But let me put it to you this way. If you are someone who is convinced that the Penguins are going to re-sign both Malkin and Latang, if you are 100% convinced of that for whatever reason, Dive in now because the payout is going to be longer now than it will be. Because if those two stick around, I think people in the hockey world, especially the betting community, especially the public money, will start to come in more on the Penguins because they're seeing that as keeping good players on a good team. And I bet you those odds shrink a little bit. So get them now. Now, personally, I think regardless of how you do this, um, if you wait, if you get in now and you bet on the Penguins, you're, you're throwing money into the river by tying it to a rock and tossing it off the West End Bridge. I, I, just, I don't see them winning the cup next year, but um, what do you think about that strategy and, and how do you feel about what they may or may not do with Gino and, and Latang? Yeah, I, I think that it is a bit of a cement shoe game right now. As you just mentioned that if you, if you, you know, place any future bet at this moment without knowing what the teams even are going to look like, it's probably a recipe for disaster, but also to a point you just made there before you kind of shot down your point. I like it. I like if you can get the odds that the Penguins are sitting at right now. I mean, to be um, the 11th highest rated to win a Stanley Cup, I mean, plus 2,500, you throw a little bet on that. 
maybe they catch lightning in a bottle, no pun intended, and find a way to win um, a Stanley Cup, which all you have to do is get to the playoffs. And I know that's just as cliched as anything, but it's true. I mean, the way the NHL has been the last couple of years. Like I just it'll go this it. way, Matt. Here's how it'll go. You know, you might see the odds increase to about plus 3,000 or something if it comes out that Malkin and Latang are yes. not coming back before free agency hits and the trade period opens up. And then it'll shrink again because everybody will get super excited over who they got. Exactly. Yep. Because I think that. I still believe they're going to find a way to keep one of those two guys. Uh, I would rather it be based on what he does for the team, the Crystal Tank situation. We've talked about that an awful lot over the past few weeks. Now, if you keep Crystal Tang, you know that they are still going to be pretty formidable in terms of being a regular season team that can win hockey, hockey games and be a player in their own division. Do all of that. Get yourself to the playoffs. Now, if it does go the other way and they do lose both uh, Gino and Chris Letang. I think it goes exactly how you said. The odds will balloon a little bit more. You can probably find a way to make a bet at that point and lock in some some great odds in terms of potentially winning future money. I know it would be a long shot, but people would get very excited because, say, Vince Trocek comes to town. People are going to start to convince themselves, and you know maybe rightly so, depending that, oh, he's far better than what Malkin was doing for them. Or even if John Klingberg would come in or somebody like that to replace Chris Letang, they'll start pointing to the fact that younger players, more skill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we've seen that so many times here, Tim, where they then talk, talk themselves up and into thinking that things are better than they really are. And I think the odds will shrink. So if you, if you believe the Penguins are going to be a playoff team and going to make a run at the Stanley Cup in your own mind and you can get them for – plus 2,500, plus 3,000, and you have a couple of excess dollars to spend, why not go for the gusto and give yourself an opportunity to be rolling in some moolah come this time next year? Ryan Metzger, Penguins Radio Network. What do they do with Jari? <sighs> That's an interesting question for me because you hear all the – I still keep hearing the rumors about uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and potentially having had a, uh, a prearranged agreement to come back to Pittsburgh – after after his contract would would have run out last season regardless of where he ended up and there's people that believe that's why he chose not to go to washington because he didn't want to burn the bridge of coming back now for that fairy tale to come true you definitely probably see them losing one of malkin and or Latang, and then find a way to have him take very little money to come in which he might as a veteran but these guys all still want to get paid so all of that said I think Tristan Jari, of course, will be at least coming into the season, the starting goaltender uh, for 22-23. He's still just sitting at $3.5 million. However, he's a free agent after that. And this would be high time in years past that the Penguins would look to extend the goaltender before he gets into free agency because, say, Tristan Jari comes in and turns in a performance like last year where he was at least through part of the year looked at as a – a dark horse Vezina trophy candidate before things went a little bit off the rails in the second half of the season, you're going to have a much more difficult time getting something done with him moving into the signing period next summer. So I think that is a million dollar question for Ron Hextall to have to decide right now. Does he want to sign the 27 year old Tristan Jari uh, and, and get some sort of long-term agreement done as they get past July 1st right now? And there's more silence here. I apologize. Those I heard the other ones I didn't. I, I don't know what's going on in my uh, area here, Tim. There's there's some sort of chaos. But if they find a way to get long-term... Is Flurry moving back into your neighborhood? 
that might be what it is. I mean, that's it's like a uh, Santa at Christmas time. They're driving him through a uh, parade. They got the sirens. The kids are throwing candy at him instead of vice versa. <laughs> is, he but, ca- uh, is he catching it cleanly in his glove, unlike Matt Murray? <laughs> He's lunging to his right to relive oh, yeah. the Stanley Cup glory of 2009. But I, I think that they, they will at least explore an extension with him this summer, assuming they don't get themselves some sort of bona fide starter um, to come in and be his backup. I do believe we'll see some sort of new backup goaltender here next year, though, be it Marc-Andre Fleury or somebody else. And uh, Tristan will likely be the starter going into next season. But I, I think that is the question. Do they extend after July 1 when, or July 13th when you're allowed to do so? I think they'll at least explore it. But there are no guarantees there because for as much as they talked themselves into believing that he was going to be a great starter for them last year and then that kind of bore itself out as true, he was he was pretty good for them. I don't know that I, – I still believe there are doubters in the organization that he is maybe the long-term answer in that. And if that's the case, well, boy, I don't know what the, the answer is because there's not a whole lot of greatness on the free agency market beyond a Marc-Andre Fleury. Just about every goaltender that's going to be available – is a backup caliber, I would think. And uh, I don't know that you want to go into the season with something like that. So Jari probably locked in as your starter in 22-23. So here's a scenario that Madden painted. He thinks that the number for the final AAV for Latang is even further apart than the $1.25 million per year that Elliot Friedman said on McAfee's show. And it's Madden's concern or belief that they don't, get something worked out with Latang. They keep Malkin for a little bit more than they were willing to pay him in the first place because they've got Latang's excess money. He stays and Latang goes and they don't have a lot to play with in free agency or trades thereafter. And uh, frankly, I can see that happening. I, I hope that that isn't how it plays out, but I think, you know, there's some merit to it because if Latang walks, you know that there will be in a little bit of an appeasement factor there. And that is why I still think Marc-Andre Fleury plays into this scenario a little bit. Because just as much as you would try and sell tickets with uh, him maybe coming in, losing some other big names, I think that bringing in another friend, uh, a former member of that four horsemen group, uh, now it was a big three, but Fleury was a part of that before he left. Maybe that appeases Sid in some way, because I know that's what Mark was referring to, thinking you'd have to appease the captain in some way uh, by keeping his other friend when you lose Chris Letang. I think Sid realizes that he wants to win and he needs more pieces around him than just an Evgeny Malkin. And yeah, he'd love to have both of those guys back. If he had his druthers, I would think logically looking at it, he might look on the defensive side of it and then bring in uh, another player such as a Vince Trocek or one of these other centers that are out there to try and um, make another run at this. So maybe that is how you bring in someone like Flurry, and then you cause a crazy situation in goal because, you know, the minute Tristan Jari gives up a bad goal, people are calling for the flower and or vice versa. So there are a lot of crazy moving parts here. I don't know how these teeth on the gear mechanism are going to fit together and work out, but I, I do feel like there's still a focus on signing Chris Letang. Mark has some pretty dynamic sources on that from what I understand. So I'm not going to doubt what he's talking about, but I did hear a few weeks back and I mentioned this to you last week when we talked that they were still pretty 
I wouldn't call it confident by any means, but they were working hard to try and find some kind of common ground with Chris Letang because I think they realized the importance of him as a player. And they they weren't in a spot where they wanted to break the bank to bring in uh, or to bring back Evgeny Malkin. Now, all of that said, I will say this. Ron Hextall is a whole different animal as a general manager than uh, GMJR was. Rutherford probably would have had deals already outlined with both guys saying, okay, I'll give you seven years if I have to. Whereas Ron Hextall, his conservative nature is kind of rising to the surface in these in these negotiations. He's not the kind of guy that wants to give 30-plus-year-old players long-term deals because he, he knows the damage that, that can do to your salary cap. So I think he's looking to, if anything, find shorter term for either of those players. And from some things I've heard, I think that even talking to players who are nearing year 30 as an age, he wants to go shorter term because I think in his mind, a lot of guys start to go downhill after their 30th birthday, and he doesn't want to hitch a wagon to a guy very long term when he's going to be 30, 31, 32. Beyond that, even when you look at Gino and, and Latang, I mean, those guys are on the wrong end of 35. So that's a whole other fish as well when you're talking Ron Hextall negotiating with them. What rumor should I try to build, Mets, that Nathan McKinnon is coming here as a free agent after next year or the Avalanche are going to acquire Sidney Crosby with two years left on his deal after this year? It's probably easier to build the second half of that rumor because I don't know that the I mean, after the love play. fest last night, I think it's a fait accompli, right? They have to play together. Oh, wasn't that? That was wonderful. I was watching the interview and I'm sitting there. And, uh, it was, I know it had to bother people. They're like, oh man, why do we have to get this guy mentioned even now? <laughs> As Colorado. Well, it was wins, like shit I... actually won the cup. I was waiting for him to come out and skate around with it for a lap. <laughs> it was pretty cool to see McKinnon with that reverence for him. I mean, we know that they're good buddies. They have their... Tim Horton's relationship. We know that they have long uh, been pals. They train together. From what I understand, Cogliano is in that group as well, which is why he was the one who came over and said 87. So I, 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 for some reason, I just see them playing together at some point. I don't know how, because I feel like the Penguins want to make Sidney Crosby a Penguin for life. I believe that now that they've won a Stanley Cup in Colorado, they're going to try and ink McKinnon long-term to a, uh, a deal to not let him walk away. So it might be a pipe dream, but those two just seem to be fated to play together somehow. And I think it's easier to build the rumor of saying that the Avs will find a way to make a splash. Instead of saying Kadri will replace uh, Evgeny Malkin in Pittsburgh, which some people were trying to start, maybe they'll start the rumor that Sidney Crosby will replace Kadri in in Colorado, (laughs) which is just crazy. (laughs) He'll be the second line center behind Nathan McKinnon, right? Yeah, yeah. And on the power play, of course, they'll play together. He'll be number two behind Nate because he's just the younger uh, up-and-coming player. And, boy, this is his 10th season, so he's not all that young anymore. But, hey, he's got that Stanley Cup and well-deserved. I mean, uh, I don't know that I've seen a faster hockey team or as a group, Tim, that plays the game at the speed that that entire group can. And he and, and Cal McCarr, I mean, boy, that was a lot of fun to watch. Well, the Penguins can pacify everybody by re-signing Stanley Cup champion Jack Johnson. Which, yes, another triggering point for Penguins Nation. I know I did see a lot of people uh, congratulating Jack last night, but I had to share a photo of him skating around with the Cup. And somebody uh, had to fire back at me and said, congratulations to him. He played eight minutes in the clinching game. Well, (laughs) 
boy, like that's a bad thing. The guy just won the Stanley Cup. He still played eight minutes. He still played his role. That's how come teams win. You have guys like Jack Johnson that can play those eight minutes, and it takes the burden off of some of your bigger boys. That's eight minutes that Kel McCarr didn't have to play, and he did so with a plume. He didn't have to go out and uh, get overexposed and embarrass himself because he was overused like he was here at times. So I just found it funny to see some bitterness like that bubbling up. And good for Jack Johnson. Uh, He's had a really tough go of it. All the crap with his family, robbing him blind. Um, I, I was happy for him to see him raise the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and I bet don't he bring was the, also thinking, Don't bring the Stanley Cup home. It might get stolen. <laughs> It'll be in a pawn shop down on Smithfield Street. You know what we, we didn't address here, and I wanted to ask you, you may not have seen it yet, but we, we, I know we covered uh, different things over the years. Did you watch the Kenobi show? I did watch it. I hated how it ended. How about you? Yeah, I kind of agree. I wasn't super thrilled with every aspect of it. I know a lot like of they couldn't let just... her stay a bad guy for crying out loud. I mean, they spent all this time sculpting yeah. a good bad guy character, but you got to switch her baby face and keep her alive. The biggest thing that I took away from it is Qui-Gon Jinn is probably somewhere saying, so now lightsaber strikes to the abdomen do not kill. Boy, <laughs> did I get robbed. I love the selective use of the force too. Like when throwing rocks matters and when they can do it, when they can't, I got to know what the rules of the force are. Like (laughs) the one spaceship takes away from Darth Vader and he sucks it back down. The other spaceship takes off and he doesn't do anything about it. It's just, uh, it's mind boggling to me when the force can be used and when it can't. I I enjoyed uh, the lightsaber duel where uh, his mask got cut open. That was really good. Well, yeah, that was cool. But I mean, even before that, where he didn't even need to use his lightsaber for most of it. Yeah. He fought back with the force. So that was interesting. And then uh, one other crazy moment is Darth Vader finally gets the high ground on Obi-Wan. And I saw a meme about this. Instead of utilizing it to his advantage, he threw it at Obi-Wan. He took the high ground and threw it at his master and allowed him the chance to live and escape and fight back. But the final duel was fun. Uh, I enjoyed that. The mask being cut open was pretty cool. And um, I don't know, there were there were things to dislike, things to like, but I was just happy to see those two actors back in the roles. That was kind of a neat thing. Yeah, you know, the Empire's watched too many Penguin games. They're letting too many dead people get up off the ground and they're not finishing them off. <laughs> Vader again lets him come back from 3-1 down. Yeah. And, and uh, Kenobi gave him a little hello there and uh, finished off the victory. Mets, thanks. We'll uh, do it again. Maybe sometime late next week, we're going to kind of jockey the schedule around the 4th of July, and I've got a vacation coming up, and we've got the start of free agency, but uh, we'll make sure we get people through the early waves of free agency and the trades before the end of July and before the start of uh, Steelers training camp, but uh, we'll stay with it here on the podcast, so thanks a lot for doing it. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll check in with you next week sometime. Sounds good, my friend, and the Penguins have a rare first-round draft pick for us to discuss, yeah, though, so coming up. about the draft, too. Uh, Yeah, so we have that. We have the free agency. I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you. But thanks for this, as always, my friend. Always enjoy it. All right, so my thanks to Brian Metz of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. We will have one more podcast to go this week. It's a little bit of a short week because of the holiday weekend. I'm heading up to Canada for a couple days. Actually, be in Nova Scotia, not terribly far away from Cole Harbor, the hometown of Sidney Crosby, and, of course, Nathan McKinnon, also from Nova Scotia as well. I'll be in Sheet Harbor, a full report coming up with you here on the CityCast once I get back. There's a lot happening in Sheet Harbor. Mushaboom, to be more precise. But uh, Mike Pursuta will join us between now and then, our last CityCast of the week. 
And our last chance checking in with Mike before football season starts back up again as well. So Pursuta joins us tomorrow here in the Pittsburgh CityCast.